Hi, it's me, Aura, and this is episode 8, I think, of Murder's a Drag. Um, okay, I was gone for two weeks. Let's get into it. Let's explain it. So, the first week that I missed was Halloween, and I had a gig in South Carolina, so, like, sue me. <laughs> but it got cancelled anyways because of this bitch Heather. Um, so, fuck Heather. Fuck the Dogwood Manor. Fuck Spartanburg, South Carolina. For the time being, you guys gotta reprove yourselves to me at this point. And fuck you. But the next week, next Thursday, was the pageant that I was doing, and I lost, so fuck you again. Uh, I didn't want to post anything, and I didn't. But this week, I'm gonna make up for it. Double time, maybe. Um, I'm gonna read you a murder, and I did a lot of research in those two weeks, so I'm very thorough. This week I also have Amanda's here in the room as well this time. She just waved like there's a camera. Um, so we're pretty much, we're gonna get into this episode. I think we're doing good. So far, so good. <laughs> okay, so let's steal another murder from my favorite murder. But I didn't like the way they did this one because, like I said, this one... Queer murder should be told from a queer perspective. No disrespect, but queer people should tell the stories. I'm not saying that I'm the most fucking qualified one. It could be any other queer person, literally. But it should be somebody who is queer. Or they might not identify as queer, because some people don't like that term. But, okay. Let's not get into it. Fuck the 60s. Fuck the 70s. <laughs> Let's get into some wild with a T. 90s, pink and green squiggle cups, zigzag noodle carpets in Target, you know, like the confetti design on it, um, thick glasses, inflatable furniture, see-through phones and computers, we in the 90s, welcome. Send an aim message on my... <laughs> okay, okay, I'm gonna stop. <laughs> Let's talk about quintessential 90s bae, Jenny Jones, and her talk show. Jenny Jones had a show like Ricky Lake in the 90s, except Ricky Lake's show was better, um, but Jenny Jones' show was just, like, one of those court TV talk shows like Montel Williams, Maury, Sylvia Brown. Well, <laughs> Sylvia Brown was a psychic. But um, it was still a kind of a talk show. I don't know. Love me some Sylvia Brown. Rest in peace, boo-boo. Um, <laughs> typical 90s talk show TV. Jenny Jones had a show like that, and she would do a bunch of dumb segments, kind of like the Maury show that still on, he's going strong, respect, with the polygraphs, DNA tests, revealing deep dark secrets about family and friends, um, I never got it, like, I never understood how they got people to come on TV and do that shit in front of the entire world, because you're purposely going there to, like, act, I don't know, whatever, maybe they do it on purpose, do people get famous off of Maury, has anybody ever gotten famous from being, like, a guest on the Maury show? Was Dr. Phil and Maury? No, I mean, Bad Baby got famous on Dr. Phil. Oh, that's true. It's a show. Maury needs to step it up, then. He needs a Bad Baby. Or something. He's had, he needs to, like, really connect with his guests and start bringing in their families and shit. Alright. Uh, anyways. One of the segments she did was about secret admirers. Somebody comes on the show, told that they're... Somebody admires them that they know, or they might not know, and they want to come clean about their crush. 
and we all hope it works out. Kiss, kiss, love, love, marriage forever. But I guess people at the show decided to gamble and play with toxic masculinity <laughs> and uh, gay crushes, which is, just doesn't ever sound like a good idea. Interjection in the middle about my sources. AGC.com. I think it was Atlanta something something.com and Wikipedia. I need to get better about giving you sources. Sources of everything else? Um, probably Wikipedia. Let's be honest. On this specific episode of the Jenny Jones Show, they were doing a segment about secret admirers confessing their crushes to their crush in a um, surprise televised event. Jonathan Tyler Schmitz was 24 when he received correspondence from the Jenny Jones Show inviting him to participate in the segment about um, secret admirers that was going to be taped on March 6, 1995. Scott Bernard Amador, Amador? Amador? was a 32-year-old gay man from Michigan who was finally going to reveal his crush to Jonathan, bringing along his friend Donna Riley, who was like the mutual friend that they had met through, for um, company and support, and probably the Jenny Jones show asked them to bring her because she's how they met. Whatever. They also probably wanted to bring her on there to further the shock to um, Schmitz when he came out and there was... A woman and a man, but the man was the one who was his crush. You know what I'm saying? You know what I'm saying. On the episode, um, Scott tells Jenny all about his crush on Jonathan and sexual fantasies that he's had, which I thought was a bit far, but, you know, Jenny Jones didn't, um, inv the sexual fantasies involving Jonathan, also. Um, I think they were just trying to embarrass this guy. Then they bring Jonathan on stage, and... Apparently he had been in the back with headphones on and shit, so he couldn't hear what was going on. Um, he was completely unsuspecting. They told him, allegedly, that it was going to be a woman, but that's speculated. Anyway, they tell him about his secret admirer. Uh, he seems embarrassed at first, but he's, like, still smiling and laughing, and, like, he's, he doesn't immediately, you know, like, he doesn't go and kill a guy on camera or anything. Um, but he turns to Donna and Scott, and he says... You lied to me, which kind of tells me that Donna and Scott lied or, like, convinced Jonathan that this person was going to be a girl. Um, he, again, seems very embarrassed. And then they roll back the tape of Scott talking about his sexual fantasies so that this guy can see what's going to be aired on live TV. And he's in front of the, you know, it's just not a great moment for Jonathan at that point. Um, but he is... He claims that he's completely heterosexual, and he does claim that the crush is flattering, quote. So he was still being, like, a good sport about it, even though at that point I would be pretty pissed. Um, but that is just me. That's basically all that went down on the show. It never aired because, um, Schmitz told police that for the next three days, his experience... Quietly turn the page here. That was a not quiet. Okay. <laughs> he told police that the experience on the show had eaten away at him. Now, let's get homophobic. <laughs> Allegedly, Scott and Jonathan had a sexual encounter. You know, the straight guy and Scott had a sexual encounter after the taping. Um, although Jonathan denies it, but I did see claims in multiple articles that that had happened. 
On March 9th, 1995, Jonathan found a sexually suggestive note at his apartment and for some reason assumed it was from Scott. I'm guessing something tipped him off. Maybe he said something specific. I don't know. But this is where his toxic masculinity came in uh, and also psychopathness because psychopathness, psychopathy, because you don't just kill people. Well, some people do. Anyway, he bought a uh, shotgun and ammunition and went directly to Scott's house. Um, and when he got close enough to him, Jonathan shot him at point-blank range in the chest with the, uh, the shotgun. But there was no chase and there was no manhunt because he immediately called 911 and confessed. Didn't kill himself because he's a bitch-ass hoe, <laughs> but he did call 911. Um, defense attorneys tried to claim the gay panic defense at first. Remember that panic, that, that defense when you're just so panicked as a straight man because a gay guy hit on you that you can go into a psychopath rage and kill him and that's, your defense is that a gay guy hit on you. So, yeah. They tried to blame the Jenny Jones show also saying that they were negligent by putting the men in the situation in the first place and by implying that Jonathan's admirer was female. Um, both things Jenny Jones and representatives of the Warner Brother company that produced the show favorably, favorably denied. God damn it. I can't read my own handwriting, to be honest. And I told you guys why I don't type this, because writing it out kills time. Well, I'm at work. Um, Schmitz was convicted of second-degree murder, but that was overturned in appeals for some fucking reason. Uh, close range, two shots, in the chest... Are you fucking kidding me? But he was once again found guilty in 1999 and sentenced to 25 to 50 years. Not even a life sentence. Or is that a life sentence? I don't know. No, I'm pretty sure they say 25 to life is a life sentence. 25 to 50, that's 25 years. That's not a life sentence. 25 years is not a, li is not a lifetime. Then, of course, in 2017, he was released after only serving 22 years for brutally murdering an innocent man by shooting him two times in the fucking chest with a shotgun at his own house, but he gets to walk free in 2017. Yeah, great. Uh, the family of Scott originally got awarded uh, $28,332,686 from the Jenny Jones show, and I guess uh, Warner Brothers was going to pay that out. But after suing them for the whole shindig, shindig, uh, the Supreme Court refused to hear the case, and it was, um, turned, overturned in a Michigan appeals court in a two-to-one decision. I don't know what that means, but I know two-to-one decision is important, and it makes you sound smart. Scott's big brother, Frank, is quoted after Schmitz was released in 2017, saying, it might be easier if he was old, an old gray-haired man. But he's still pretty young at 47. He's still got a lot to go, and my brother doesn't. Which is fucking heartbreaking. And fuck society. Fuck toxic masculinity. Rest in peace, Scott Amager. Der. I really wish I knew how to say the victim's fucking name. That's awful. I tried. I really did. You guys heard it. Um, let's talk about my week. Though that I was away. Let's do it. Let's talk more about it. I got painted at 8 a.m. on Halloween because I had to work that day and I work in Charlotte and I had to go to Spartanburg and I didn't get off work until 8 so I had to like beg and plead and come in early and work late 
to be able to get off early to go to Spartanburg that day. But I had to go to work in drag, which was kind of okay because we were having a costume thing. But it was kind of weird because I had to dress as Toto from The Wizard of Oz. And then I was a dog in drag makeup. But I didn't have on any lips or lashes because I had like an eight-hour shift to work. But <laughs> fucking Heather, man. She really fucked up my night. But she didn't ruin Halloween, goddammit. The Great Pumpkin still came. He did. Okay, let's not talk about Heather. I'm not going to give Heather all this clout for no fucking reason. She has homophobic eyebrows and her makeup, her makeup looks like a crackhead shit on her face. But the pageant was fun, but like I said, I lost. But I got a second alternate, but like that's just second loser to me. That's what that says. Um, but I bought a crown on the internet. So that I could feel better about myself and do a photo shoot and still be pretty. Because I won gown. I've done one for my gown and that was nice. So I can always do photo shoot in that because I know people liked it. And my costume for talent was really nice so I can do a photo shoot in that too. <clears throat> oh well, I'm so sorry. It tasted like garlic bread and I haven't had any garlic bread today. And now I want garlic bread. Okay. I don't really like competition. I don't know why I ever put myself in there. Doing a pageant is subjecting yourself to the opinions of five individuals who are going to be on the judging panel. Well, you know, like three to five to ten to twenty. You never know how many fucking judges there's going to be. But they all have their own opinions, and they're all more than valid because they're clearly, you know, established enough to be a judge. But opinions are opinions, and... I had to look a certain way, walk a certain way, wear certain things, um, you know, act a certain way. And that's not why I started drag. I started drag to express the this part of myself that I can't express while I'm at fucking work and in public. You know, the part of myself that I can actually express when I'm at a gay bar shouldn't be in this competition mindset. Because then when is my headspace going to ever be level enough to get better at drag, you know what I'm saying? You know what I'm saying. Um, since I was a shitty, shitty titty, I'm gonna, <laughs> I didn't like that term. <laughs> now I'm thinking of a oh, shitty what? titty. Mm, oh, no. It just rhymed. Uh, okay. <laughs> I really shouldn't have. I ruined this. Styled it. Styled it. <laughs> Okay, okay. Anyways, shitty titties. Whatever, whatever. <laughs> I did it again. I did it again. Okay. So, before I started a podcast, clearly I listened to other podcasts. Um, and I wanted to send this in to a couple of them to be read on there. But now I have my own microphone, goddammit. So, I'm going to read this experience of mine. And it was a catfish experience. Oh my god, my parents are going to listen to this. And they're going to be like, what the fuck were you listening to? <laughs> oh, no. Oh, no, Fritz. I'll just tell them not to listen to this one. Then they're going to fucking listen to it more. <laughs> Whatever. They're going to listen to it more. They're going to listen to it. They're, they're going to listen to it twice. <laughs> and turn that fucking volume up. And they're going to goddamn blast the shit. They're just going to give me that look. Alright. Okay. We're going to do this anyways. And you guys are going to understand. 
I'm sorry. <laughs> this was a long time ago. I am going to read it just as I wrote it as an email because that's the easiest way to do this because it's in my voice already and, you know, I'm just going to read it. Ready? Are you ready? Turn your volume up. <laughs> oh my goodness. Okay. Let's <laughs> I am a 20-year-old gay living in Bible Belt, North Carolina. So far, so true. I listen to anything and everything, true crime, nonfiction, and horror on um, podcasting shit. I feel that this has both made me a very aware person and a paranoid freak at the same time. In any case, something that sounds as if it came straight from a story that I would hear on here. I'm paraphrasing to not say the names of these podcasts. Yeah. <laughs> Being a young gay out here, we out here, most of my romance begins online. It's safer in certain ways, and I won't inadvertently talk to uh, volatile straight men who might kill me if I tell them that I have a crush on them. You see the motif for this episode? This works. Okay. Um, and also, I'm shy. However, the way that I see things, meeting people from Grindr is alright as long as you've got a weapon and you've Snapchatted or video chatted to confirm that that person's identity is, you know, millennial logic. So, I've had an account on Grindr since I was 15. Bad decisions. Don't judge me. I know, very dangerous, very legal, jailbait, etc. Are we allowed to say, is that a word we're allowed to say, jailbait? Is that, um, is that like, offensive? I think it, <laughs> I think it might be. Okay, um, <laughs> my point being, I trusted myself and my judgment when it came to this app. A year or two ago, I met this guy named Ben who lived, like, down the street from me. He was really cool, and... He was interested in my drag and stuff, so I was definitely down to hang out. Um, unfortunately, we lost contact, and he um, he moved away somewhere to college, or I don't know. I didn't pay enough attention. Like I said, we lost fucking contact. I don't know what he was up to. Um, I met some other guy after that and moved on. You know how the story goes. Uh, we fast forward to a week ago. Oh, no, I said this was a long time ago. Okay. A long time ago, um, this was, I wrote this email a long time ago, when I see a little blank profile named Ben, and that's how Ben had his profile, you know, he was a discreet kind of guy, so I thought, okay, this is Ben. Um, naturally, I was happy to see Ben on there, and he had messaged me, or the profile had messaged me, um, and uh, tried to pick up, like, conversation, almost as if we had just left off on the conversation, so, um... I answered back, and his answers seemed a little uh, off-key and forced, like he was making them up, just like when we talked about things that we had already talked about or referred to something that you wouldn't know without having been there or context, you know, he just kind of, it was weird. Um, but these are all things I realized afterwards, obviously. I'd ask him personal questions about his family and his past, you know, the shit we used to talk about, and I would get short yeses and noes in response. I figured he just wasn't as fond of me as I was of him, um, like, back in the day. So I was like, okay, no big deal. I can roll with that. Then he asks to hang out, and I was like, cool, let's catch up. I don't, you know, get weird vibes, but let's do it anyways. This is Ben, you know. 
good old Ben Ben. So <laughs> he sends his address again, and it's across town. So <clears throat> I was like, oh, shit, this is where he moved. He didn't move away. He moved across town. And I don't know how we lost touch. I figured maybe um, he didn't leave or something. I don't know. I'm stupid. But it gets worse. So I started to get close to this dude's place, and it was on the sketchy side of town. But this I have a couple friends who live on the sketchy side of town who aren't sketchy people, so I was like, okay, no biggie. Um, but red flag. And then <laughs> the little late red flag. And then um, he was like already outside in his car and ready to go, and I could not see into the car, but I was like, hey, it's Ben. So, when I pull up in front of the car, I see the silhouette of a dude sitting inside with a hat on. And I was like, okay, like, same size as Ben, same car as Ben, if I remember correctly. I don't think I remember correctly, though. I have no fucking idea what car Ben drove. I wonder where Ben is. Maybe he listens to this podcast and he's gonna be like, yeah, that wasn't me. I live in Idaho. Anyways, uh, spoiler alert. Um, I got in the car, though, and... It wasn't Ben. You know, I got all the way in the fucking car, and it wasn't Ben, and I'm that dumb. I know. But I still had a taser on me, so, you know, anything bad happens, zap zap, motherfucker. Um, so, you know. (laughs) At that point, I was pretty fucking scared, though. Shook that this wasn't actually Ben. And, um, he started driving, so we were just driving, going to get coffee. And, um, he mumbled something about uh, taking me for coffee and asked me to help direct him to the nearest Starbucks. So I told him the turns and shit, and I stayed calm in my head, and I said I should probably, um, you know, make sure that he's actually going to Starbucks, so giving him directions is a good idea. I don't know. I should have just jumped out of the car, honestly. But I should also add that this guy seemed like he was fucked up on something, like some kind of pills, because he was basically nodding out at the wheel while he was driving. Um, and we got to the Starbucks. I considered it at that point just running, and then I remembered that my car was still parked right outside of his house, so, like, if he got to it before I did, he would, you know, I didn't want him to fuck up my car or anything. Um, so I came to the conclusion that I needed this man's to take me back home as well. Um, and then I would just run to my car and get in and, you know, avoid hanging out, avoid the situation, you know, zoom, zoom, skirt out of there. So when we get inside, I see somebody I fucking know working the counter. I had class with him in college and I'm like, yeah, I'm just hanging out with this random meth head and I'm scared shitless probably. This dude honestly probably thought I was being kidnapped. Well, I kind of was. No, not really. I willingly got into the car. Okay, anyways, I'm not going to get into all this. Um, Okay, so the entire ride home, he just kept looking over at me with these gross, junky eyes, and he kept, like, reaching his hand out for my leg, and I just kept physically pushing his hand away from me because he was so fucked up. I didn't think Dr. Doom was going to help. But when we finally got back to um, my car, I said that my phone was in there, And I had to grab it before we went inside. So I make my way into my car. And as I turn to shut my door, this guy is standing in in the car, basically, in front of where I can't shut the door. And his car is parked too close in front of me to just take off. So um, 
I put my car in reverse, and he kind of, you know, bumped out the way after that, and I just went down the street a little bit with my door open, slammed that bitch, and skirted off. Mm-hmm. You know, I survived, survived that situation. I made a lot of bad decisions, but I had a taser the whole time, so in retrospect, I could have tased him at any time. But then how would I have gotten home? I could have just stolen his car. But then I'm stealing some guy's car that, like, I don't know. Obviously, it's my fault that I didn't ask for any pictures of But I thought it was Ben. God damn it. I blame Ben. Wherever you are, fuck you. You deserve the best in life. Um, after that, though, he kept messaging me, the Ben profile, and he was getting, like, really aggressive and really mean, started cursing me out, fuck you, fuck this, fuck that, and, um, another creepy old guy (laughs) who claimed to be one of Ben's friends started telling me how Ben was going around town bragging about how he had taken me on a date, and I was like, um, okay, and then he, oh, he even added to that that I was young and fresh which was a really gross way of saying that I was a young person. Um, anyway, that's just one of my many creepy man from Grinder stories. Um, yeah, I'm not going to read the rest of that email because it's addressing the people from the podcast. And it's not my favorite murder, if that's what you were thinking. Fucking stupids. Crazy. Okay, um... You know the drill. Leave a review on iTunes, please, because you know this is the best podcast that you have ever listened to. And once you leave a written review and stars, I start getting on the chart so that more people can listen. And then I can, like, make some t-shirts or stickers or something and, and, you know, get into it. Get on this plane train, my man. Um, Also, a Facebook page, Murder's a Drag. Instagram, Murder's a Drag. Twitter, Murder's a Drag. Email, Murder's a Drag at gmail.com. Um, email me with corrections, suggestions. Uh, I'm just kidding. Please don't email me those. Oh, no. Am I even allowed to say that? I'm going to bleep that out. I got to add an episode. Oh, episode. I got to add a bleep to the episode to make this legit. If I didn't believe something out, then I was never here. I never recorded. I'm sorry for going missing for two weeks. It's not going to happen again. And if it does, I will personally send you $5 if you leave a review on iTunes and email me with your proof and social security number. Okay, thank you. Bye. Wait, that was weird. I say moi. I don't do the actual kiss. Moi. Oh, no, that was weird too. Okay. I gotta do it both at the same time. I gotta say mwah and give a kiss. Mwah!